Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, episode one twenty-five. Today we're gonna we're gonna go where we go today. Uh, we've had many guests on the Chasing Tomorrow podcast in the first hundred and twenty-four episodes, but uh, this one could be really interesting. We've never had a race walking champion before, and today we're gonna talk with Seth Hardwick. Seth is currently an NCAA cross country coach. He is an aspiring uh, trail ultra runner really really unbelievably fast when you look through some of his his results and um we have some some stories to get into with you seth so welcome to the chasing tomorrow podcast thank you seth uh pleasure to meet you and um as you know or maybe don't know we we do this on audio only i think we would love to be doing this on video and showing off that amazing beard you have there because (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't approximate anything like that, but we uh, we love the spirit. <clears throat> I think if you had a like a plaid button down shirt and a pair of shorts, you'd be a perfect ultra runner right about now. So uh, we'd want to like put your picture on the front of a magazine. Uh, anyway, that was the description for the for the listeners. Uh, so hey, man, like it's fun to. After all these episodes, you know, we're always looking for just intriguing people doing extraordinary things and living their life, um, you know, following the spirit of what drives you, which is what I'd love to dig into a little bit. Uh, you know, I think as we were waiting uh, for Don to join, found out that you're down in southern Kentucky. Um, probably have some stories to tell about that. But why don't you tell us a little bit of your backstory? Were you, you know, the high school track star? A guy just making it through. How do we end up being a coach? And just tell people a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, oh. and I moved to Kentucky around 2008 uh, during the recession. Uh, my father was a welder, and you know all of that, all the uh, industry jobs up there kind of went by the wayside. They all the factories closed. It was a big mess, and um, moved down here to southern Kentucky where my grandparents were at and uh, moved into a house with them. The house that they own is kind of split into two houses. Like the basement area has like three bedrooms, like bathroom, like living room, kitchen. And then the upstairs is the same thing. So we moved into the basement area of the house and um, my start in running. uh, I say that God kind of made me a runner from day one. Um, I was born with a multi-cystic kidney. So I had my kidney removed when I was six months old. Uh, So my choice in sports became very limited. They wouldn't clear me to play football or any contact sports just out of fear that something would happen to the other kidney. Um, And I had around third grade um, when we were still living in Ohio, I had a gym teacher that really started pushing me to run just based off of what he saw from me in gym class. Um, It was around that same time that we moved to Kentucky, uh, up in Ohio where I was attending school, they didn't have elementary cross country teams or anything like that. So there was no opportunity for me. And we moved here um, to Kentucky in about 2008. And I started running in the third grade and uh, wasn't really good at it at first. Not, you know, I, I couldn't grasp, you know, at such a young age, you really don't understand the strategy of the sport. You know, the gun goes off and 510 year olds take off at breakneck speed for the front. So um, really didn't couldn't get into it I knew it was what I wanted to do but at such a young age you don't know how to do it and you don't understand how to do it um 
so I ran from around third grade up until my freshman year of high school. And uh, around that time, the year previous, my parents had gone through a nine month separation. And it had always been my father that had really uh, supported me in my running, taking me to practice, uh, taking me to, to races and things like that. And with him out of the picture for those nine months and moving back to Ohio, um, I kind of just lost interest in the sport. Um, so I had a three year layoff from my uh, eighth, like pretty much quit running my in eighth grade. And I didn't run again until my senior year of high school. And uh, even in my senior year of high school, I only ran um, during the track season. I did not compete in cross country. Um, I ran for a club team in the fall. Uh, my mom is a mental health therapist and uh, she works for a company called Phoenix Preferred Care here in uh, where we live. And they do the whole healthy, healthy body, healthy mind thing. So they have a racing team that goes to local 5Ks and stuff like that. And uh, I'd gone through uh, some hard times. I was kind of probably a, a pain in the ass kid to race. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I was kind of wild. Um, and I needed something to just uh, get me out of that, get me away from that group of people and, and get me away from going down that wrong path. And um when my mom came to me with the idea of, of trying out, uh, running again, um, I went all in on it. Um, started running in the fall of 2016 and have been hooked on it since, uh, started with a mile race, had no idea what I was doing, just showed up to a mile road race. And I ran sub six minutes in my first race, I ran 559. And from that moment on, I was just hooked. Um, joined the track team that January, um, and competed in uh, an indoor track meet in the 800 and was just hooked on it. Uh, soon after that was offered a scholarship uh, to my mom's alma mater here in Kentucky, uh, Lindsey Wilson College, a very, very small NAIA school. And uh, took the opportunity and literally and figuratively just ran with it. And uh, more and more fell in love with the sport. Uh, ran in college for three years. Um, I took two trips out to Colorado, to Estes Park, Colorado, uh, and I worked at the YMCA of the Rockies out there. And uh, awesome. that was that was really that really changed a lot of things for me in running, like being out there in northern Colorado and up in the mountains. I was like, yeah, this is this is what I think I want to do the rest of my life. Um, so and, and since then, it's just been finding ways to to make that work. I'm not the greatest or the fastest runner in the world by any means. Um, but I tell people all the time, I, I truly believe this is what I was born to do. So just working hard and, and finding ways to make that work, no matter what, that's kind of what led me to coaching. So I ran in college for three years, uh, sustained a lot of injuries. <laughs> um, I had my freshman year of college, I tore my fascia and was out, had to have surgery. And that put me out uh, for a while. And then my sophomore year of college, I broke my foot. So it was just one thing after the other. My junior year of college, I set the school record in the two mile run. And then literally three days later, I developed piriformis syndrome. And that knocked me out of another season. So I decided to, to go things on my own. I went and had a long conversation with my parents. And I was like, you know, the coaching here is not working for me. You know, I love the coach. He was a great guy, but just his style, I just kept getting hurt over and over. So I was like, I have to make a change for myself if I want to stay in the sport because 
I'm sure as athletes, you guys have all dealt with injuries and you know, at, at a certain point when injuries riddle back to back to back, you're like, something has to change or my time in this sport is probably going to be very limited. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get these coaching certifications. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to read the literature and I'm going to coach myself and uh, see where that takes me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was in, that was in August of 2019. So literally right before the pandemic <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, I went and uh, the pandemic was kind of a blessing in disguise for me. Um, dealing with, with injuries, it just gave me time to get healthy and educate myself in the sport of running. And it was, uh, you know, a year layoff of racing for just about everybody. Um, and I came back and started running that March and uh, March of that year or March of 2020 and decided, you know what, when, when everything is shut down, I'm going to try to run a 50 K. I'm like, why not? There's no races. If I get injured, it's so what I'm not missing anything. So uh, self-trained myself to run a 50 K and that uh, took me a probably trained from March until September of 2020. And I went out and people call me crazy for this, but I woke up in three in the morning on September 26th and uh, went down to a golf course. Of course, at this time I was still in college and the only place that we had to run around there was a golf course and then just roads. Uh, so I went down to a golf course that was a mile and a half loop and hammered out 50 K and oh, ran nice. it in about four hours and 40 minutes. Nice. Uh, com completely bonked after the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like, I hit the marathon in like three twenty six, And then after that, the last, uh, five or so miles it was just fast paced walking and very light jogging because so i had no idea what i was doing the nutrition aspect was just out the window like i knew i had to eat some but no idea to really how to do that um but yeah uh got that 50k under my belt and that's really what opened me up to wanting to coach because i knew at that point it's like i'm not a hope i'm not a high profile athlete i'm not getting any big time sponsors but this is what I want to do. So the second best thing to do that, to stay involved with the sport is to coach. Um, you know, you can still pay the bills and run pretty much all the time. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I started working that year, really my senior year of college, I really started focusing on becoming a coach, uh, bought every piece of literature on running that you can think of from, you know, the Jack Daniels running formula all the way to, uh, you know, some obscure stuff from way back when with like the Oregon Ducks and, and the things that they would do uh, and really just started putting my nose in the dirt and, and studying a lot. Um, was able to, and I'm, I'm so weird when it comes to running. I like all distances. I, I uh, tell my coach now all the time is like, I admire the guys like Joseph Gray or like Max King and those dudes that are like, we're, when they say they're distance runners, like they're pretty much game for just about anything. Yeah. Um, so after running the 50K, I got the wild idea to, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go chase a road PR in the 5K. <laughs> and at this time I was, I was still like, I mean, there was no races or no real races going on at this time still. So it was like, yeah, I can do this. So it's like, came back from the 50K, trained through that winter, started loading up on just speed sessions because like the volume that I had done to uh, run the 50k was insane like I was doing probably nine to 12 miles a day and you know hitting those 70 miles 60 to 70 mile weeks 
And uh, again, I had, there was a lot of like faults in the training for sure. Just trying to figure it out. Like I approached uh, 50K training with just volume alone with like no intensity. I was like, yeah, all I need is volume, just a lot of volume. So it's just tons of jogging um, all the time, pretty much, or, you know, easy mileage through the roof. Um, which I think really benefited me when I decided, Hey, I'm going to go back and try to chase a 5k PR just because the strength aspect, but yeah, trained really hard and, and ended up running 1631 on the roads. So not like the most insane time, but it took like, that took 18 seconds off of my PR. Nice. So I was like, all right, I think I'll camp out at the small distances for a while. Um, and just went crazy on it really fell in love. I would say the distance that I love racing the most now is probably the 10 K distance. I think that's such a fun distance to race just as like it's long, but it's not too long. So there's a lot of room to push. Like it's not going to kill you. Whereas like half marathon on up, it's like, yeah, you got to hold back in the front half. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I, I'm like the opposite of that. I think the 10 K might be the worst distance on the planet. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never felt more pain in my life than I felt during a 10 K. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost as bad as the 800 on the track where it's just like, you're just going to almost die for half of this and then keep dying for the second half. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of weird with, with the way that I run is like, you know, 5k is almost a, like 5k is a sprint on the track for sure but mm -hmm. just about on any other like where it's cross whether it's cross country or roads the 5k's to me now just feel like a sprint and i view the 5k more like an 800 now and that's like as low that's like as low as i feel comfortable going and even then i'm like yeah this just isn't for me i don't have the leg turnover and and just the natural speed that those guys that those guys have um like i, I went and jumped in a in a semi-professional 5k race up in ohio uh probably two summers back now and i absolutely got it handed to me like <laughs> I, I went i went through the two mile market like nine minutes and 52 seconds and guys were lapping me i was like oh, yeah wow. what is going on right now so but yeah i found that's how i found the 10k distance it was like you know i still want to find a distance that's relatively fast where i can run relatively fast at so I started getting really into road 10 Ks for a while. I still am. Excuse me, but well, yeah, it's just find you a good fast course to go do the 10 K on and, uh, could have, uh, Don lead you out and <laughs> drop and then, uh, you could take, yeah, I, my, my 10 K PR is actually in my marathon PR. I'm so bad at pacing a 10 K that the only time I've ever been able to do it relatively fast is, thinking about pacing for a marathon. Like I just, I, I have never run w w even close to what I would say is a good 10 K. Yeah. I mean, it, I would say like times here in Kentucky are very relative just because the courses <laughs> are the, every course is terrible. We're like right in the foothills of the Appalachian mountains. Yeah. So you're not going to find any flat, fast courses around here. So like any, any opportunity I get to like travel, like to like Northern Ohio or something to race, I get so psyched because I'm like, yeah, it's actually going to be flat today. So yeah, well, like, we'll have to get you out to Boulder, Boulder in, uh, in May and that get you lining up with other 50,000 people. <laughs> um, I mean, all the, all the courses around here are like, if you, if it's 400 feet of elevation gain and you know, five to six miles and that's relatively easy. 
So it's it can be what? No, 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 no. I was just saying that that is one of the interesting parts of all of our running is the terrain that we're sort of stuck with is where we live. You know, you live on the top of a hill, it means you always finish uphill. You live on the flats in Houston and you always run, you know, like and when you think about training for a race or something that doesn't, you know, like if you're living in Florida and going to go ride your bike in the Alps, like, you know, there aren't any really good approximations of that. So we're always yep. trying to adapt our training. And, you know, so it's interesting, you know, you didn't go through as much of a formal, you know, running heritage, but you've certainly got some skill now, you know, you're coaching. Um, you know, we had another one of our guests on recently, Ryan, who's also a cross country coach. Um, and you know, if it always feels a little bit like the, it's a lot of effort that you guys have to put in and, you know, it's a very malleable, moldable population you're working with. What, what got you like, you know, into it? And then how do you, you know, think about the coaching process and what you're doing for the kids? What really got me into it was just I wanted to give kids what I never had. And what I never had here is like distance running is not a popular thing at all here in Southern Kentucky. So there's not a lot of coaches and the ones that are involved aren't very great. And my, I had a lot of negative experiences with my coaches. And I wanted to start to give back to the community in ways, like I said, that I didn't have. Um, and that's what pushed me really to become a coach. I had my first opportunity at coaching um, just a few months after I graduated high school um, or high school, just a few months after I graduated college, um, I was offered an assistant coaching job at uh, the high school that I attended. And I took that and, and just went for it. And the approach that I take with, with coaching, I would say now transitioning over from, you know, coaching high school, so much, so much more different. It's like a lot of these kids are not here. Um, to be the world's best runner. A lot of it is like a social event. They want to get out and socialize. It's fun. It's it's the most basic part of the sport. It's just fun for the kids to get out there. So you yeah. have to approach that what you have to approach that in such a different angle, you know, to keep the kids coming back and to keep them enjoying what they're doing. Um especially when you're working with much younger kids because you know, you're coaching at the high school level, you're coaching kids as young as like 6th and 7th grade sometimes that yeah. might be running you know, might be running up. Um, so the approach there was just, you know, let's just keep this fun. A lot of basic stuff, easy miles and, and just getting the kids out there at that time. That's when you're like fostering the love for running. So the approach has to be so much different. Yeah. Uh, but now transitioning over to the collegiate level, my approach is probably a lot more serious because it has to be because at this at this stage, it's yeah. like, you know, it is very competitive there's national titles on the line conference titles like and then at the end of the day it's also you know a coach's job can be on the line at sometimes mm -hmm. depending on the team's performance um and one it's way long, the best way right i mean it's a long way from where it was yeah yeah and the the biggest thing for me and the way that i like to coach my kids is just practice what i preach so I always yeah. tell my kids, like, we're not going to do a single workout that I haven't done myself. Love so, that. like, I understand the suck factor of everything that I'm going to ask you to do. 
Like if I tell you to go run, if we're going to do, you know, mile repeats or like a 25 minute tempo run or something on the track, like I know what that feels like. I respect what that feels like. And I also something that I do that a lot of coaches think is nuts is I'll race unattached at all the regular season races that my boys run. Um, so this past year, up until their nationals meet, I ran in every single race with them. Wow. And I was nice. like, and I always think that it's better to lead by example than sit on the sidelines and tell your kids, Hey, do this or do that. And it garners so much more respect. Yeah. Uh, I, know I, think, that my- I was going to say, I, th- I think that's a really important approach. Um, just to, to, to walk the walk or walk the talk or whatever, whatever that is like, you're out there living it. You're, you're modeling the behavior that, that you want them to live. And, um, you know, I think that, that goes on the track, but I think that goes off of the track as well as like, who are you, who are you as a man? Who are you outside? And like coaches coach, no matter if you catch him in a running race, if you catch him in a practice, or if you see him at the library, um, I think that's a, that's a really important part of life as you're in a position of really quite a position of importance that you're helping model future adults um, and they need guidance. So how, how do you look upon that? I mean, it's, it's a privilege to be able to guide young people and what is your perspective on, on that guidance and in having that pressure on you to make sure that you're living and doing the right things so that when they see you, they can turn around and, and be good humans as well it's a lot of responsibility. And, and I always describe my relationship between me and my athletes, you know, cause I'm relatively young still. I'm, you know, a lot of them are close in age to me, you know, 18, 19, and, and I'm only 24. Um, so I always describe the relationship is, you know, like little brother, big brother. And where I'm not too, I'm not too far removed from those college days and, and competing in college. So it's like, I understand the pressure. I know what comes with that. That's a lot of responsibility, you know, when you have classes going on and then um, athletics and all the other stressors of life at that age, you know, moving away from home for the first time and, you know, traveling around, you know, the country with what can be complete strangers at first. There's a lot of stress that comes with that. Um, so, yeah my biggest approach to it is I like to take my mistakes that I've made and just model them in in the other direction. I just tell these kids like, you know, this is what I did when I was in college and this is what I don't want you to do. Like one of the biggest things that I preach to my guys now is like, I know in college you have like the parties and you have all these extracurricular activities, but like the most important thing is like running is not going to be here forever you know, that's something that all of us are going to have to face and not everybody is going to be fortunate enough to make running their life. It's like, get your education, get your degree. You know, that's what, that's, what's going to last you forever. And then on the running side of things, it's like, I know it's sometimes I drive my boys crazy with this. Um, but I'm a stickler on, on doing things the correct way in this sport. Mm -hmm. Um, run your easy days, easy, run your hard days, hard and and race race when you're ready and and empty the tank on race day and and that's been a fairly successful approach for us you know we're a very small program we've only been around for two years and and this year we went into the season with only six guys on the on the team and we had no injuries and we're able to place um eighth in the nation at our nationals meet in our first year so it was like the, the approach works 
Have you described that as the A races for the guys and the B races so that they can be really clear about this A race is the time and the rest are just contributing? Yes. Yeah. That's one thing that I like beginning of the year. So I don't like to race too much during the regular season. I think that a lot of kids get burnout. I think that's a big problem at, in the division one level and other and other levels by the time the championship season and the championship race rolls around there's so many hard miles and races on the leg um so i always tell my guys you know some of the, i refer to the some of the races as glorified workouts yeah. i'm like yeah. we did we did a lighter tempo session you know on thursday and we you know kept easy mileage the same on friday that way you guys could pretty much just go get you know more in that 80 to 90 percent range today so like don't go out and waste the tank but you know if a pr is on the table grab the pr but don't don't go out and kill yourself trying to get there and, and that approach uh worked worked very well for us uh, uh this year um you know at the collegiate cross country level you spend a lot of time running 8ks on the men's side um so like beginning of the year, I'll start off with a couple 5Ks. And I'll just tell the guys, I'm like, listen, these 5Ks really aren't doing anything for us because when it comes time for the big races, this is not the distance we'll be running. So like today, go like 80, 90%, you know, go out hard the first mile, get a feel for, you know, what you can do and then just settle in and run to the finish. And let's just get, you know, some more quality miles in on the week. Um, and that approach worked very well, very, very well for yeah. us this year. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'd be curious like, as you're coaching, you're obviously running with, with your team and you're training outside of that, I would guess to some degree, like how, how has being a coach and being in this position helped you personally develop as an athlete and maybe think about your racing and, and how you want to develop as a, as a professional runner someday? Yeah. You know, I told my guys this year that they really helped me gain the love of the sport back. Um, you know, like I said, my, my collegiate running experience was not the best. We didn't have a very close team at the college I competed at. I said that like our team was always more occupied with competing with each other than they were competing against other teams. There wasn't a very strong team atmosphere amongst us. Um, and I think that derived from the fact that our school was more of like a track focused program than a cross program. So they really didn't have what I refer to as like the distance culture where like everybody's out there just to have fun and support each other. Um, and, and really working with these guys this year, that's what I wanted to build there. I wanted to bring in a team that I don't care if you're the fastest guy on the team or the slowest, everyone's going to be happy for each other's achievements. And um, running beside them this year, it, it really opened my my eyes to what a real team is. Um, with the way that those guys came together all year long. Um, for me, I've always been terrified. Like my experiences in college kind of terrified me of running cross country because it was always the season that I got hurt. So this year for me was like, I want to get this monkey off my back and, and get through um, a full season of cross healthy. Because like before, if I made it to October without an injury, it was a miracle. Usually by the time October rolled around, uh, you know, I'm on the sidelines for the last two months of the season. Um, and this year that changed a lot. I think the one of the biggest approaches was the coach that I work with now really hammered the take your easy days easy. You know, I was used in college. Our coach had us running, you know, 7 to 7.30 on your easy days. 
And my coach was like, yeah, you know, we're not going to do that. Like, I don't care if you're running like eight, nine, or even 10 minute pace. Like, we're just all about the volume. I don't care if you're shuffling as long as you're moving. Um, And because of that, I was getting in so much more volume this year. So Hmm. much more. I was getting, you know, 75, 80 mile weeks consistently with little to no injuries, just like the basic tightness that every distance runner has to deal with. Um, But yeah, going back to the question, on, on working with those guys it's I, w- I don't want to say life-changing but I think that this year will be one of those years that I look back on years from now and I'm like that was when the tides really changed for me in terms of running because um, I was ready to quit in December of last year wow. um, I had applied wow. at seven I had applied at 17 different colleges to coach not a single one got back to me wow. um and then around that time, um, I developed patella tendonitis in both of my knees. And it was just not, it was just not going away. I mean, that to me is, is the worst injury I've ever had in my life. I mean, because it follows you everywhere, walking downstairs, like every, it handicaps you in so many different ways. Um, so I, well, my coach kind of describes it as I was broken by the sport. Yeah. Just burnout and, and things weren't going the way that I wanted to. And it was kind of like God just gave me an opportunity. This small college needed a coach. These boys had a coach that pretty much just stepped out on them mm-hmm. and it opened it up. So when I found them, they were kind of in the same boat that I was. And together I was like, listening, you know, things aren't always going to be easy. I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But as long as we stay with you, as long as we stick together, uh, I think we'll figure things out. And it's just, they've just been an amazing group to work with. And they've shown me what a family really is supposed to be about and like I said going back to practicing what you preach uh you know this year them running nationals for the first time I was like well if I'm gonna go and put you guys in this pressure then I want to put that same pressure on myself and that was a big reason why I was down in Texas to run the cross champs was like I want to I want to hold myself to the same standard that I'm holding these athletes and I think that as I get older in the sport or in more experience in the sport, the biggest thing for me is not really, you know, stacking my trophy case, but affecting the lives of others. I think that's what, that that's really what I'm passionate about. That's why I love running so much is it gives me a way to show kids or people in, you know, small communities or underprivileged communities that like things are possible. You just have to work really hard. So yeah, I think that, that's the piece that, you know, we talked about this last week on the podcast, which is this vexing problem of going easy, going hard, and of injuries that come along. And I think that we rarely associate the injuries with going hard too often. You know, we don't have that. If we had it as you know, sort of the causality, we might not do it as often. Uh, and and so, you know, it, I think we have to sort of start to tell the stories more of you know hey you first can run slower and let someone run by you don't run you know like if you're out on your slow well not even your slow run we'll call it your zone two for argument's sake your zone two run you don't want to pick it up in the middle because someone passed you they're doing their workout you're doing your workout and i think trying to encourage people more in that regard i know that don does that i get picked up a person I was coaching recently and told them they should run a 
endurance in the 9.45 to 10.15 pace, because that should be slow enough for anyone. And they came back and said they ran a 9.10 pace. And I sort of was wondering, like, what did I say? Like, I was like, I didn't I know they might have felt more comfortable, but that wasn't accomplishing the goal. Heart rate was higher than it should have been. They never really achieved the objective. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to try this again. I'm not just trying to just slow you down to slow you down. We're actually trying to work on a different system. And so we just have to work it harder, I think, as all of us go at it. You know, I, I think that it's a problem not only in our sport, but I think that it's a societal problem here in the United States. Talk to you know, I talk to my father all the time about this, and I'm like, we have this idea here in the United States that to be successful at anything, you have to hammer the crap out of yourself, that you have to go as hard as you can all the time, and that's not the case in anything. Everything takes time. This I it's also part of like the instant gratification you know, era that we live in is everyone thinks they can accelerate the process. And sometimes you just need to slow down. Um, you know, that, that's, that's my, that's one of my biggest struggles coaching these kids coming out of high school, you know, in high school, they're going out and they're running. You know, I've talked to kids that are like, yeah, my easy pace is 630. I'm like, okay, why are you running 630s when your yeah. PR for 5k is like low 18s, high 17s? Like that doesn't even correlate. And, and bring bringing them in and trying to explain to them that running eight and nine, you know, sometimes 10 minute pace is more beneficial than going out and running, you know, seven minute pace. It's, it's such a hard concept for, right. for people to grasp. So, yeah. It's, but, it, it's that just to, to chime in, it's, it, I think you hit the nail on the head when it's like the instant gratification, it's the, the Strava world that we live in where like every workout you do is visible to a lot of people. And, you know, I've, I talked about this recently. I the, earlier this year took my Strava and made it totally private. I'm the only one that now can see my Strava so that when I'm going out on those runs where I know I'm going to do 10, maybe 11, even 12 minute miles. Cause it's Rocky. I don't have to sit there and be like, well, somebody's going to see that and be like, Oh, this dude's a pro runner and he's running 12 minute miles. Like, Oh, I'm faster than that guy. Like I was getting this narrative in my head that my slow runs were negatively impacting my, how I was perceiving myself. And it just, it just didn't go well mentally for me. And so I think uh, we just need to break this stigma that it's okay to go. It's one, it's okay to run slow. Like everybody does it, like whatever, run your own pace. But the most important thing is, yeah, figure out what is the best thing for me developmentally and go do it without absolutely giving a crap of what anybody else thinks. Like, I, I don't care what you say about my training. Yeah. It might not be what you do, but it works for me. And I, I, I have a big beef with Strava because of that. I, I use it for me personally now, but so many people are so afraid of having somebody else look at their workout and judge it that they're going to go hammer. Like I can't run fat. I can't run slower than six 30 because this guy is going to see it. Um, so we just need to break that stigma that it's okay to run slow. Um, we, we, we say it all the time. Eloy Kipchoge, the greatest runner in the history of the history is running 10 minute pace on his easy day. Like if that guy can do it, like, I don't care what you have to tell me running slow is the right thing. But I think that the other thing is just jumping in and, and I know Seth, you should jump in too, but I think that for one tenth of 1% of the people who are going to do stuff, the fast matters. The rest of us, it doesn't really matter because I would argue 
that not being injured and being able to do it for more of your life would be better. And so I do pretty well running, you know, seven to 10 miles a day every day at this very relaxed pace. I have no injuries, none. I'm doing this for years and years. And everyone's like, oh, your knees are going to fall apart. I'm not the youngest person on this call, but I never have any injuries. Like, so, you know, at the advanced age kind of thing, if you want to keep going, if I started trying to go back on the track and started to do sprints, I know it would happen and I'd be off off my feet. And like, I would rather just be out there because that's really why I'm going out. Like, I just love being outside. I want to like today I up in Boston and it was icy and the wind was blowing off the water and it was freezing cold. And I'm like, man, do I feel alive? But, you know, if you're just going too hard, it's not going to end well. And so I think that's part of what we should just all think about. Like, now, look, if I'm on a team and I have my A race coming up and I got to think about it, then I should also orient around not being hurt. But but I do think that that's the, the trade-off. If you're going to just, you know, roll the dice, we know what's going to happen. I think there's I think there's two solutions to the problem. Uh, one that I've really tried to to go in with this year. One, I think that ego is an absolute killer in our sport. Um, you see it at every level, from pro all the way down to kids just starting out. Everybody wants to be the fastest. I mean, that's the big thing at recess when you're a kid. Well, I'm the fastest kid on the playground. Um, one one approach that I think that especially us older runners or, you know, more experienced in the sport need to take is a lot more transparency with the younger groups that are coming up. Cause Strava is a liar. I mean, you know, when you get on there and you look at a guy like Joe Klecker or Frank Laura or one of these guys, yes, easy for them is like six to six thirty. These guys race paces are like four minutes, you know, four minutes and 30 seconds. Like they can handle that type of speed and that type of volume. But you know, if you're a kid that's running 18, 19 minutes, that's just not the case. You're not as developed. These are guys, you know, like as my coach and what I describe to my boys is these are guys that literally have legs of steel. They've run so many miles for so long that their legs are pretty much like concrete. You know, when they have an injury, you know, injuries for them are far and few between. And when they do happen, it's usually, you know, I know a lot of guys, um, they'll be like, oh yeah, I hurt this because I slipped off a curb or I wasn't paying attention when I was running and twisted an ankle. Like, you know, some overtraining, a lot, some overtraining injuries, but for the most part, those guys are, are built, you know, they're just built for it. They've done it for so long. Um, but I also think that these kids get these false ideas from that too, where they don't see these guys getting hurt. So they think they can go out and do the same. But it's years of preparation and years of miles on the legs. Um, and that's one thing that I try to be with my Instagram. As I tell people all the time, like on my social media, I really don't care how many likes I get. It's more of a, a journal for me to journal my experiences and hoping that somebody might read that post or see that post and understand that, you know, somebody that you think is faster than you or, or more popular than you is also going through the you know, the same struggles and has to do the same everyday things that you do. Um, and then too, you know, I made my Strava completely, completely private at the beginning of this year too, for more or less the same reasons, you know, the pressure of going out and running these routes and knowing, you know, people here in my local community know who I am. So if they see me running, 
slow on this day, then they're going to view me in this light and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't matter. Um, and, and you know, another thing, uh, Joe, that you were talking about was like, you know, if you run easier, you get to run longer and, and more frequently and like the whole nine. And and that's, uh, that's something that I really bought into this year. It's like, I don't want to do this for, you know, five, six more years and then fizzle out because my body can't handle it. I literally want to do this and until I can't. And, yeah. and that facet, I mean, like old age, like if I could be in like my early sixties, still getting in a few miles a day, every day that I would love to do that. And I want to run competitively at a high level for as long as possible. So Joe, Which Joe's laughing right now because you just described where he is at with his running early sixties <laughs> and running seven to nine miles every single day, healthy. 3,500 miles this year. There you go. There you go. I, I want to, I want to add uh, one little thing you said, if you run slower, you get to run longer and run more. I, I think it's also really important that, and I've learned this the last few years, if you run slower, you're, you're more able, you're, you're able to run with more people too. And running is, is a community thing. It should be a community thing. And obviously there are outliers that are out there just hammering, doing their own training, like, and that's fine. And I do my track workouts and my hill workouts by myself, totally by myself. Cause I just want to hit my, my thing, but my easy days, like, hell yeah, I'm joining this group run and hanging out in the back of the pack with, with the, the women that just started running three weeks ago and chit chatting. I hear some of the best stories by being willing to slow down, run and like, whatever, if we walk, we walk, we're still, we're meet. We're meeting people. We're being a part of the community. We're growing running as a sport. We're showing that even if you're quote unquote elite or pro, you can be personable. You can be inviting to the sport of running. So I think that's a really important element of, of being willing to run slow is that you're, you're actually kind of bringing the community together, at least from, you know, if I went out and ran the best I could run every day, I'd run alone every day. And that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yeah, sure. that's some that's something that I struggle with where where we live is like running isn't the most popular thing. So finding those groups of people to run with is is very hard. But when I do, it's so much it makes things so much more enjoyable. I think it's one of the things that I love about coaching is that it now gives me a group of guys that I can go and, and get those miles in with every day and share the journey with. That's that's the most important part of this sport to me is is the process and the journey. Cause you're going to spend a lot more time practicing in this sport than you will racing. I mean, if you look at, you know, cross country seasons, track seasons, or even on up, the races are spread out, you know, 90% of the time you're going to be out there training. So you have to make that enjoyable. And if you can't make that enjoyable, then you just have to get out of it. Yeah. I, I think that's where a lot of the burnout, a lot of the burnout comes for people and a lot of, you know, these kids that are, have all this potential and then they just quit the sport because they do burn themselves out. You make, I think that we overcomplicate running. People look at it as a punishment and a hard thing, but when you do it the right way and do it with the right people, it's, it's one of the greatest things you can get into. I mean, the human body is literally made to run. Yep. Yeah. And actually to do it, uh, even when we feel like we can't, because when we were back in our early days on the Serengeti and, and eating for three days, we still had to get out there and go chase down our food. So uh, yeah. them definitely works in that regard. So, you know, as you um, as you think about, you know, sort of being an ambassador for 
maybe we'll create a little movement uh, across. We have this theme over and over again on our podcast, which is, you know, that we're really working to uh, educate and create enthusiasm, uh, you know, and I think that that your understanding at an early stage in your learning experience and being a coach is great because that way you can impart um, this. Uh, and I think, do you, do you, um, you know, one of the things to think about, I was always like creating some ambassadors on your team who, you know, believe the same and then giving them a platform to have that conversation. So there's more of us. Do you have any, uh, you know, kids on your team who are hearing you more and bringing the message out? Yeah, yeah. So I have two twin boys on my team. <laughs> and then kind of like one of our lone upperclassmen. And they have these conversations with me all the time. To the point, like uh, one of the one of the things that I'm trying to do is get a club team going here in this part of the state. That way, when, you know, these kids graduate from college, they still have a place to go. They still have a team to be a part of. And, you know, I'll offer coaching or whatever they need for free um, just to grow that sport. Because, like I said, I do think it, it's such a beautiful thing. And it, it kills me that it's not as popular in, in this state as it is in the surrounding states. I mean, if you go south to Tennessee, Tennessee puts out some of the best runners in the United States. They had one of the best division one teams this year and you know the tennessee uh volunteers and then lee universities down there milligan i mean all these big time programs and then you go north and like the state of ohio just speaks for itself i mean the amount of talent that comes out of ohio every year in distance running is absolutely insane i mean from small universities all the way up to like d1 and then indiana more or less the same you know, from every level, they're they're fast. And here in Kentucky, it's just the focus hasn't been there. It's football and basketball here. And these kids, you know, regard cross country as just this sport to go by the wayside. And over the last couple of years, it's definitely picked up and gotten better. I think with guys like Jared Nagus coming out of uh, Louisville and, um, you know, going to Notre Dame and doing what he's done now at the pro level. And then Jacob Thompson being a great ambassador uh, for the state of Kentucky and starting running camps here in the state. It's definitely helping things grow. But in these rural, you know, you know, Appalachian communities still, these kids don't know. That That's one of the biggest things why I, I really want to grow a club team here and really get things going. That way you can share the knowledge with these kids and give them ways because running can be a complicated sport to kind of navigate yourself through, especially once you get out of the school teams because it's like, all right, what do I do? Because this isn't like basketball where there's a defined pathway to do everything. It's kind of everybody has such a unique journey and a unique story to tell in this sport of how they got to where they got. But if I could help give these kids that pathway or give these people that are involved in running a pathway, that to me could would be one of my biggest, biggest accomplishments in life is to really grow running in this part of the state, in this part of the United States. What, what kind of, I guess, maybe community education or support or like, what, what do you think you need personally to, to make that happen? I mean, I can, I can hear the passion in your voice of, about this and, you know, helping this, this grow in your community. So like, if you had your, your magic wand and said, I need X, Y, and Z, like, what, what would that be? Like, how, how would you start and where would you take this? 
If I could, one of the things that I'm working towards and one of the things that I hope to accomplish, like I said, is just establishing a big time club team in this part of the United States. Um, that's what I was out there representing at uh, TRE and at Sound uh, Cross Champs was I was running for the club team that I created a few years back called Hermes Wings. And it's been an all in-house organic thing. I tell people all the time, I've never profited a dime off of this club team. You know, my fiance has drawn up the designs. I've paid out of pocket for all the uniforms, everything to do with us. Uh, and I hope to take that. If I could do anything, I would take that and, and start hosting running camps around this part of the United States in the summer or like seminars at the university that I work at. I've talked to them quite a bit about let's bring in high school teams and high school coaches from the local area that don't have the education in the sport and let's sit them down and let's teach these kids how to run the right way and teach these coaches how to facilitate coaching. It's one thing that I've talked to uh, my coach about. I'm coached by uh, Matt Welch, if either of you guys are familiar with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I've actually talked to him about flying down here from Washington state and you know, he's a big, he's well known on the marathon scene, Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon. He was on, you know, a stud of a Portland pilots team back in 2017 when they finished second. So like, he's very notable and very knowledgeable in the sport. And I would love to bring someone down like him to help host some of those camps or help, you know, talk to some of those coaches and really start to grow running in this part of the United States. That, that to me would, would be the biggest thing that I could do. And then, Outside that, it's just, you know, not trying to be selfish or, or sound selfish here, but putting myself in uh, big time races across the United States still, you know, win, lose or draw or whatever the outcome is, and just getting kids to recognize that there's people from their community doing these things. I think those are the two biggest things that we can do. Because like that. All, all the notable runners that we have from this state come from, you know, the very northern parts of the state you know, like the, especially the Louisville area. So like these kids in, you know, South Central Kentucky and the rural areas of Kentucky, they still have really nothing to relate to in regards to that. Uh, and I want to, I want to give those kids somebody to look up to and be like, man, this guy did it. Why can't I? Cause there's a lot of kids around here that are passionate about the sport. They're just, you know, they have nobody to direct them and what to do. So they get lost. And because of that, you know, when you have nobody to help you out a lot of times, especially as a young kid, you'll really fall off on in your dreams, you know, and that, that's that's the biggest message that I'm trying to preach to the kids that I coach now or to anybody that I run into. It doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be anything involving athletics. But if you have a goal, don't let anybody shoot you down. You know, a few years back when I was in college, when I quit running for, you know, my college team, if. I would have told somebody, hey, I'm going to run at cross champs with seven Olympians and a bunch of pros in a few years. They would have laughed in my face. And now it's just like, I don't care what the result of the race was. Like just being there and being able to be that light in the community to show people like, hey, like I can do this. So can you. That's really what means means the most to me. Well, you know, Don uh, might be able to help Seth out with a trip down uh, to uh, Kentucky one of these days. Uh, get down Let's there. do it. Well, yeah, I think Seth, you sort of answered our last question here, which is what you're chasing tomorrow for us. You know, we of course, with this podcast, always you know want to leave with this idea of what's next. Um, I I love the spirit of 
you know, your intent and, you know, expectations for what's possible. Cause if we can all keep doing that, like, look, it comes a better world more broadly speaking anyway, you know, it's only a microcosm of how the rest of how we live, you know, supporting each other, being community guiding and, you know, bringing each other to the next level of whatever it is possible for us. Cause once we learn it in one way, we can then leverage it again in the rest of our lives. So any other, uh, chasing tomorrow kind of expectations for yourself? What might you be up in racing over the next year that you might want to try to go do? So uh, over the next, me and my coach, we kind of have like a five-year plan that we've kind of pieced together for myself. Nice. Uh, and and over the next few years, you know, I'm kind of trying to take like the Matt Daniels approach to moving up in distance of very slow <laughs> and very cautious, especially like, trying to get into like ultra trail scene i don't want to burn myself out super young so yeah. i think that's something that you do see at, at this at, at that level and in those distances is a lot of guys come fresh out of college jump straight into these super long distance races and fizzle yep. out um so for myself i really want to focus on smaller trail efforts over the next couple of years whether that be like 10k to half marathon throughout the next year and then really build up to kind of mastering that 50k distance nice. and then hoping hoping by the time that i'm 29 uh to really start hopping into the longer 100k 100 mile races and and just seeing but for now being 24 and with the you know the injuries that i've had in the past it's kind of just let's take it slow and and build in a correct way and then smart. Get, we'll get we'll get where we're going because like so so smart I think that's and, it's uh, so funny because like walking around TRE, you know, I talked to you and uh, David Laney and then uh, Eric Sensman and uh, all these all these guys were kind of telling me the same thing when I would ask them for advice, especially like Sensman. Sensman was like, dude, take your time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, there's a reason you don't see too many elite ultra <laughs> trail runners in that like 20 eight to 32 range it's either like right out of college blazing fast and then they their match burns bright or they're more like me where they're on the you know got into the sport in my late 20s and slowly developed and now i'm in my late 30s competing so it's so you could be the the exception to the rule um so kudos to you for for actually having a plan <laughs> yeah well i Seth, we're gonna keep track of you and, and the Kentucky running community and we appreciate the spirit that you're bringing to this and thank you for being on the podcast and maybe we'll see you down there uh, one of these days soon. Thanks very much. Yeah, yep. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you guys. Thanks Seth.